0: I'm
1: Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Today is a fast day, and today I am in Jerusalem. And today I am so happy to be speaking to you from the Holy Land. Very happy to be speaking to you from the Holy Land. It has been already quite a journey, quite an experience, quite a trip. And I am broadcasting today from the Inbal Hotel, I think next week... We will um, be back in our Nefesh Benefesh studio on Tuesday. Mayor Ferdig is going to be sitting in on Monday, and I thank him. And um, Avrami is going to be sitting in for Matis on Sunday, and I thank him. Had the opportunity to see Avrami and Toby and their wonderful family last night. They are uh, an amazing family, and yet another one of the, I guess we could say, millions of families, right? That are. Uh, dedicated to the future of the Jewish people in the state of Israel. And it's amazing to hang out with people like that. Um, so it's a Friday, and today is Asar and it's a Bateves. <laughs> and it's a little bit of a different Asar B'teves for me, because normally I would leave the air at 9 a.m. Eastern time, and I would be, uh, you know, primed for another few hours of fasting, eventually breaking that fast with Kiddush on this rare Friday of Asar B'teves. Um, But for me, I'm going to be ending the show at 4 p.m. is real time uh, during this fast day. Um, In fact, I ate dinner last night at Avrami and Toby's. (laughs) So they they made sure I was well fed before the fast began. Thank you, guys. (laughs) Anyway, so today is the fast of the 10th of Teves, and I will be leaving uh, our temporary studio here at the Inbal Hotel at 4 p.m., And for those of you who were concerned yesterday during my conversation with Rabbi Yigal Siegel, there is a 415 mincha in the building as I'll be going there and uh, kicking off um, Shabbos here at the Inbal um, downstairs at that minion. So that's what's happening on this side of the world. I hope your fast is going fast, and I'm glad you're with us on a Friday morning. Uh, A tremendous reaction to yesterday's conversation with Jonathan Pollard. A lot of people asking me what I felt about it. I felt that um, I felt that uh, it was a very open conversation about a lot of different things, and um, especially the second half of it, it was filled with a lot of important messages. The message about Aliyah toward the end of the conversation. Was quite poignant, and that might be—it's it, really amazing with everything he said yesterday. That might be the greatest takeaway from the conversation I've heard about was his Aliyah message. And if you missed it, uh, we're we're going to be we're going to be putting it out there as a separate piece. But right now, of course, it's available in the archive section of NahumSiegel.com and the NSN app. And I'm anxious to hear what you thought. I got a lot of good email reaction. And I got a lot of uh, WhatsApp text reaction. I'd love to hear what you thought of it. Let me know. Uh, it's Arab Shabbos Parshas VaYigash, candle lighting in New York 412. we We're calling it four twelve in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. The fast ends with Kiddish, or at least as 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 long as you make Kiddish after the time that the fast ends, <laughs> and. Um, and uh, yeah, and Parshas Vayigash we said, and uh, Candlelighting we said, and uh, we're all set for what I hope will be a wonderful Shabbos and a peaceful Shabbos here in Jerusalem and the rest of Israel, and a peaceful Shabbos and a wonderful Shabbos all around the world. If there's one thing we've discovered in the last couple of months, uh, in, many, in, uh, in I would say all the major cities around the world, but of course there are exceptions I guess, Um, there are people who we thought were, were friends who now we know are not friends. Not everybody, but enough to have us concerned about the attitude toward our community and toward our people. So that's when I say that I'm hoping for a peaceful Shabbat for everybody around the world. I mean, it. it's not just here where we obviously are praying for a peaceful Shabbat for our soldiers. We pray our hostages are out before Shabbat. Although that's looking less and less likely in terms of a deal. and again, even with the deal, it's you know a terrible feeling because of what has to be given up. Um, but we would love to see all the hostages released, obviously, and we pray for them. And we pray for the, for the uh, for the members of the IDF who are fighting the battle as well as they are. they destroyed the Hamas Palestine Square tunnels. They've taken over a major city in Gaza. Um, they have pushed Hamas out of Shehaya. I, I don't even know if that's the right pronunciation. And um, And as we said, the hostage deal is the way it is right now. Whether it'll happen or not remains to be seen. Right now it looks like it is a dead deal. And um, as I said on yesterday's show, it's uh, you know for those who are living here and pay careful attention to the news and the TV shows and the the morning news programs, it's really right now all about the hostages. A lot of stories, a lot of documentaries and um, films being made about October seventh, with uh, footage and details that had not been released before or weren't known. To have existed before and are now being discovered, so that seems to be you know happening on a regular basis here. It's a it's a tough time. It's a tough time to um, to remain in a uh, in a joyous mood um, because of that part of the story. The other part of the story is the incredible dedication, absolutely incredible commitment that the young people of this country have toward defending the state of Israel and the land of Israel and the Jewish people worldwide. It is just amazing to watch. And I will tell you, story after story about American kids who are displaying that type of devotion, that type of dedication, continue to come out. I am meeting so many people. With sons and daughters in the army, and they are describing to me, someone said to me last night, I, I don't think, forget about whether we knew they had it in them, I don't think they knew they had it in them until this started. And sure enough, they have it in them, and they are displaying it, and they are uh, internalizing it, and they are, and it's manifesting in the in the incredible bravery and courage that they're displaying. We have something to be proud of in the American Jewish community. A lot of our products are, are just the cream of the crop here in Israel. And that is something to be very proud of. So here we are. It's a Friday broadcast. We'll do um, our regular features. Harry Rothenberg, of course, and Rabbi Yudin on Parshas Vayigash. Malcolm Holine scheduled to join us. Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. And um, we'll wrap up the week and then get into our Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show, the Arab Shabbos music mix, and more. And as I said, uh, Avrami's going to be on Saturday night, but it will also be on Sunday taking over Vermont this 7 a.m. Sunday morning with JM Sunday. So there you have it. Quite a lineup, a lot of it coming from Israel. And I'm very proud of that as well, to say the least. Uh, this is from the Moshav band. I've been playing a lot of them recently for good reason. They're amazing. More coming up Friday morning. Shabbos. It's a fast day. Fast well, everybody. Here we are at JM in the AM.
2: Hey no call base yesrael ah hey call hanesunim batse I'm home. Sunnim batzar, batzar au va
3: <speaking> in the Messiah Hanimami. Beviate the Messiah. Beviate the She a I need a man, I need a I'm <speaking> I'm <in the world>
4: I was <laughs> And i
5: mean Monks are not uncle at
1: J.M. in the A.M., Shmorna Aleinu, oh yes, watch over us, Shmorna Aleinu. That's a brand new uh, rendition or version or cover of it, I should say, from Chaim Avital and the Hurai Arieli here at J.M. in the A.M. Ani Mamim done by Shuli Ron, you heard the Leva Nefesh Nachenu. we'll dedicate that to listener Yoichi who requested some Ahenu selections. Lachado Di and the Vishamru done by the Moshav band and of course Regesh Modani opening things up. We say good morning. How you doing, everybody? Welcome to a uh, Friday morning of Shabbos at JM in the AM. Today is a fast day. It's a Uh Fast goes till um, oh, somewhere around a quarter after five, depending on what your community is uh, announcing. And uh, then, of course, the fast ends with Kiddush tonight, this rarity of having a Friday fast day. We, we've been fasting for a while because here in Israel it is um, – past one thirty in the afternoon, and once this show ends, we're going to head to uh, Shul and then uh, to Kiddush, which will break the fast here. So that's what's going on here at the moment, and it's what's happening around the world. It's Sarabateves, candle lighting in New York at 4.12. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Our usual Friday features are coming up. That's right, even when we're in Jerusalem, Harry Rothenberg will join us, and Rabbi Udin of course, and Malcolm Holmline all of our Friday features coming up here at JM in the AM. Uh, this is a brand new one, Hito from a gentleman whose name is Shmulek Sukkot. Here it is, Hito at JM in the AM.
0: at me not. Israel achenu kol bet Israel Batsara Batsara sara bat ya ben bayam u ben Israel arfeno ah, ah, hey, com petit Israel ane basara basara u bashi Shere, I
6: When you're feeling all alone You need some happiness to call your own Oh, nothing is going the way it should You're trying to do the best you could Lift up your eyes to the sky Your life's in His hands, trust in Him Love
0: Amen.
1: Sham and the A.M. So amazing brand new selections. L'mik Dasheikh is Levi Yitzchak Cohen with uh, Yossi Shik in a selection you just heard, lemik Dasheikh. Uh, Shmoli Schneider, before that, with You're Never Alone. It's a nice cover of that Avram Fried classic. Daniel Alicia or Daniel Alicia with Yerushalayim, that's brand new, ends with the words Am Yisrael Chai. Um, RJ2, brand new Achenu, or at least a cover, a brand new cover of Achenu. Shmarna Chaim Avital, another cover with noharai Arieli. Here at JM and the AM Friday morning, erev Shabbos. Thanks for joining us, everybody. For us, it's Friday afternoon. It's toward the end of the fast already. Um, for our New York and United States audience, it's uh, toward the beginning of the fast. Here we're going to wrap up JM and the AM and head straight to uh, Minchan Kabbalah Shabbos. And then at the fast with Kiddush. Fast does end with Kiddush no matter where you are around the world today in this rare Friday fast of Asar Teves, Candle lighting 412 in New York. 412 in New York and this Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayigash. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Our schedule is pretty um, is pretty clear. We've got uh, our Erev Shabbos, amazing Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek presented by the incredible people at Kedem. That's going to be happening at 10 a.m. Eastern time followed by the Erev Shabbos Music Mix, The Final Hour, all brought to you by Kedem. Avrami tomorrow night with Saturday Night Siegel. On uh, Sunday, it'll be Avrami informatis at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. And then Monday morning, Mayor Fertig, the brand new grandpa, gets to do JM in the AM. <laughs> you could add the name Mayor Fertig to the list of grandfathers that have hosted JM in the AM. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying these words, I'll tell you. <laughs> we're all grandfathers practically well everybody associated with the show now is a regular host except for avrumi anybody who appears as a regular host i believe is a grandfather right except for avrum um wow pretty amazing anyway um, so here we are in Israel, Erev Shabbos on this fast day, and uh, Mayor Fertig will sit in Monday. Tuesday, I think we'll be back at Nefesh B'Nefesh headquarters. We'll definitely be doing the show from Jerusalem. I just had a thought that maybe we should do it um, at the but We'll figure it out. I have a feeling we'll end up at Nefesh B'Nefesh on, um, on Tuesday. And then again on Thursday, please, God. And then Friday, we'll see. Maybe we could ask Mayor Fredick to sit in again. We'll see how that works out <laughs> on a Friday morning. And maybe not. We'll see how we'll handle next week's schedule. Then finally, after that weekend, when we get to the first of the year, we'll be back on a quote-unquote normal schedule if there is such a thing here at JM in the AM. Yesterday, Jonathan Pollard was my guest. The conversation began about 8 o'clock at some point Before 9, I made the decision to go past 9 a.m. It was, uh, frankly, a uh, decision that had no choice. The way that conversation was going, it had to keep going. And those of you who heard the show, thank you. A lot of great reaction to it. If you haven't heard it yet, try to hear the interview, the second half especially, including his message regarding Aliyah, which was so important. And uh, for me, a historic conversation, frankly the entire encounter with Jonathan Pollard. Um, so make sure to check it out at some point in the archive section, knocklemsiegel.com, and of course on the NSN app. And we'd love to hear from you. You can, uh, if you have my text in WhatsApp, you could send it that way. Certainly you could use my email, knocklemsiegel.com. Nachum Let us know what you thought. And, um, and I thank you for that. I do remind everybody that um, we're getting toward the end of the year and our 40th anniversary campaign is uh, is on, and we'd love for it to be as robust as possible. If you haven't given yet, do your best to give today, because if you give today, everything you give today is going to be doubled. How do you like that deal? Yeah, it's a great deal. Believe you me, it's a great deal. So please, um, oh, and I want to thank Dr. Laz, who gave a nice donation. Thank you, Dr. Laz. So please keep on giving, as the expression goes. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, especially if you enjoy when we head to Israel to bridge the gap between Israel and the diaspora during these very, very sensitive and precious times. Again, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and I thank everybody who's given, and I thank everybody who will give. It is much appreciated. Yeah. Galatine in the background Our news from Israel coming up, and plenty more, of course, including Malcolm homeline, Rabbi Udin, Harry Rothenberg. It's all going to be happening this morning here at JM in the AM as we close out the week. Galei Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for our Friday, Erev Shabbos is next. We say Boker Tov from Jam in the AM. Galei
7: Tzal, a and sh tayim ma sh kore קיבוץ נראוז הודיע על הרצחו של גדי חגאי, בן 73, חבר הקיבוץ, אב לארבעה גדי חגאי נחטף לעזה ונרצח בשבעה באוקטובר. הוא נשתו, ג'ודי ויינשטיין, בת 70, שעדיין מוחזקת בשבי. בנו של גדי, אל, סיפר כבר אתמול בריאיון לרזי ברקאי על הפסורה הקשה ואמר... חמאס ניקים משאר את האופנועים שחטפה אותם ירו לאבא שלי בראש ולאימא שלי ביד ובפנים. גופתו של אבא עדיין בעזה, וכך גם גופה של אימא, אמר הבן. יהי זכרו ברוך. מקורות פלסטינים ברצועה אומרים כי סמוח לרפיה הוסלו שלושה בני אדם, בהם סוחר אמצעי לחימה, בכיר בחמאס ואדם נוסף. מטען הופעל כלפי הרכב בו נשאו השלושה וכתוצאה מכך נפצעו גם שישה תושבים מקומיים. עדיין אין אישור רשמי לכך בישראל, אולם מהדיווחים בעיתונות הערבית עולה כי החיסול הוא צהל. ידיעה כתבנו שני ואמיר תפוחים על הפרות סדר במספר מוקדים במזרח ירושלים במהלך תפילות יום השישי בהר הבית, מדווחת כתבתנו בבירה נועה ברנס.
0: עשרות צעירים התאספו בוואדי ג'וז, רסל עמוד, שער העריות ומוקדים נוספים באזור העיר העתיקה וסביב ההר הבית. המשטרה פיזרה אותם תוך שימוש באמצעים לפיזור הפגנות. על פי המשטרה תפילת הצהריים בהר הבית אלפים.
7: החזית מזג אוויר בצפון יורدين קשמים מקומיים, מקשמים צפויים ליתחזק וליתפשות לאזור המרכז. בשירות האמтеורולוגי מזוהרים מפניהם התצפות במישור החוף הצפוני מהיום ועד מוצאי שabbat. ואלזמנית כניסת השabbat ב-ראשית בירושלים ב-ארבעה בדיאוק בתל אביב ב-ארבעה ועשרים וארבע בחיפה ב-ארבעה דקות ובי-עשר שבעה תכניסה ב we have a country where the newscast ends with the word shabbat shalom
1: i always. Marvel at that, what our ancestors would have said about it. Uh, well, as you heard at the top of the hour, um, and I'm reading from now the Jerusalem Post, near Oz resident Gadi Hagai, 73 years old, was murdered during the October 7th massacre, and his body is still being held by Hamas. This is an announcement made by kibbutz near Oz today. His wife, Judith, was wounded and is still being held hostage by Hamas that is uh, some of the latest news and of course it's this type of news that is getting everyone down and disturbed about the t- current situation obviously and uh, it seems that as much as the hostages are pawns for whatever demands the enemy has it just that that whole type of scenario and situation seems to be getting worse and worse as the day goes by they are just um it's, it just seems more and more so sort of they're being used literally as pawns in a game, and uh, the fact that the deal, the hostage deal now has been postponed again or canceled or whatever term you want to use obviously has uh, ruined a lot of hope that families had of getting their relatives back, and um, it's hard. It is hard. Imagine the way we feel as observers, as brothers and sisters by many degrees of separation— from people who are suffering. Imagine how they are suffering. Imagine what they are going through day after day, minute after minute. It's really, uh, when we say something is unbelievable, this is unbelievable, but it's a reality, unfortunately. Friday morning, hour of Shabbos. Hope your fast is going well. We are fasting and we're going to end the show and then go into Shabbos here in Jerusalem. Greetings from the Holy City of Yerushalayim, everybody. Um... Rabbi Yudin, Harry Rothenberg, Malcolm Holmline, all coming up. It's a Friday after all, and you're listening to JM in the AM. <laughs>
0: If you get up.
1: Am, can't stop playing it, came out for Hanukkah, One Heart, Amcha Yisrael, a song obviously based on al Simba. but we wait, we wait for the, for more and more miracles, we wait for more and more miracles, with this hostage situation and uh, the war situation, we wait for more and more miracles and pray for more and more miracles, simple as that. J.M.N.M., on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayigash, candle lighting at 412 in New York, hope your fast is going well so far. Uh, Harry Rothenberg's words are dedicated for a Rafur Schlema on this, um, what is today? Friday morning. <laughs> for Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. Ruchama Chana Etel bas chava. This is such a dear friend and somebody who um, is in need of a full recovery and somebody who knows that that full recovery is coming. Just a matter of time. And we need to continue to pray for Ruchama Chana Etol Baschava. And then together, please, God, we'll celebrate when she has her full and speedy recovery. Again, Harry Rothenberg's words in honor of a refor shlema for Ruchama Chana Etol Um Harry Rothenberg on Parshas Vayigash here at JM in the AM.
8: Yosef hasn't yet revealed himself to his brothers. He has framed Binyamin by putting his goblin in his bag, announced that he's going to take Binyamin as a slave, and now Yehuda approaches him and masterfully crafts his argument. Why? It's wrong. Yosef should not take Binyamin as a slave, and Yosef can't handle it any longer. He breaks down. He's going to reveal himself now to his brothers. But before he does, he sends all the Egyptians out of the room, including his bodyguards. Why? The commentators explain because he didn't want to embarrass his brothers. But I ask you if ever anybody maybe deserved a little bit of embarrassment, maybe it's the brothers? Unbelievable people. And they certainly had the right intentions. They thought he was an incredibly severe threat to the future of the Jewish people. They were wrong. And look what they did. He sold him as a slave, as a defenseless 17-year-old, to another country. He ended up in jail for over a decade. He lost 22 years with his beloved father. They can't give that back to him. And yet, he's not going to embarrass them in public. And there's more than that. As one commentator explains, he was risking his life. He didn't know what their reaction was going to be. The second that last bodyguard leaves the room, they might jump him, bash his head in, grab Yoman, and try to make it out before Benyamin's taken as a slave, but he felt Because he knew that as the sages of the Talmud said, embarrassing someone is like murdering them. So he felt that it's better to risk his life than to embarrass them in public. What a lesson for us. Winston Churchill once said about the Royal Air Force in World War II, that never before was so much owed by so many to so few. You can paraphrase that and say that never before can so few embarrass in front of so many so easily. It used to be that if you wanted to embarrass somebody in front of a couple hundred people, you had to get that person in the room with a couple hundred people. Now, you're on a WhatsApp group chat. You're on a group text. You're on an email where a lot of people are copied. Someone says something with which you take issue and you take out your flamethrower and incinerate them in front of everybody else. Don't do it. Stop and think. Do I need to reply at all? Sleep on it. Take many deep cleansing breaths you may find I don't really need to reply I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt they didn't mean it that way I'm good or you might decide no I absolutely need to reply I need to tell them how humiliated I was how hurt I was how insulted I was they should apologize okay take those deep cleansing breaths work on exactly what you're gonna say and how you're going to say it and then say it privately click reply privately or don't click reply all just write back to them or call just them It could be at work, someone sends you a document, many people are copied, colleagues of yours, maybe it's the other side with whom you're negotiating and someone makes an incredible mistake in a document. You have to correct the mistake. Great, correct it, track changes, redline it, and send it back just to the person who made the mistake. You don't have to copy everybody else. They'll notice that. When they see the mistake they made, first thing they're going to check is, "Uh uh-oh, did he or she copy everybody else? They didn't. Oh, Thank God, they will be eternally grateful. Always remember, embarrassing someone in public is the same as pointing a loaded gun at them and squeezing the trigger. It's murdering them. Don't do it. (laughs)
9: Seist you. lieber ein nach der nach frei ein wachsung <laughs> mag ich frage kreuz nicht mein der Dance, You You you're My is Don't mama, mama. I'm a good person. I'm going to be a good person. i have a good person. to be a good person. a little person. I'm going She mama, 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 she's my mama, my mama's high
0: Between us, Shema Andoshim <their> ve'aval ibalech di yom ze et hayom ze shalom hayom azedib levin yanhadash et mikdash missa meah khata ni ved ma kala yo se se Thank you. You're a team, you're Is can the show, boy,
1: Jam in the AM. I just felt in the midst of all the uh, selections that we're playing that uh, relate directly to what's going on in Israel, there are so many Baruch Hashem smachot, so many wonderful occasions that we get to celebrate uh, either on the other side of the world or here on the Israel side of the world, we get to celebrate and uh, we have to recognize that the Baruch Hashem, there are still so many amazing and incredible events. I figured Yaakov Shweki with Birchas Abayis and Hayom done by uh, Mordechai Shapiro, I'm Yisrael Chai from Netan el Hershtik, and we have a little bit of a set of the positive that's going on that we always have to remember. Even in the darkest of times, we have the most uh, amazing and incredible ability to share in many smachot together. And here in Israel, um, it, it, it's sometimes a little challenging, like <laughs> like the wedding I heard about that occurred on the spot because. Um, because the chassan was literally leaving the army and was and was notified that he's leaving the army uh, for a few days that day. And um, they called the kala and said, uh, you know, be here, be in the following place tonight because we have the opportunity to make the wedding tonight. And that's how they went about it. And that's you know, a little crazy compared to the way we're used to getting ready for and preparing for weddings. Baruch Hashem, uh, a tremendous smachot, and uh, kudos to the families that are still bringing bar mitzvah celebrations to Israel from outside of Israel. I thought those had all been postponed or canceled, and I'm meeting too many people here who are doing it and going through with it. Dafka at this time. Kolak So a plenty to celebrate as well. It's Friday morning, JM and the AM, and of course, Malcolm Holmline coming up. Uh, Friday, Erev Shabbos on this Asar B'Teves. It's a fast day. Yeah, here in Israel, we're already at the past 2.30, so (laughs) I just need to eat something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it is a fast day. Candle lighting at 4.12 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum School Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Remember that our fundraiser is uh, at least the 2023 portion of our fundraiser has a few days left. If you haven't given yet, make sure your donation gets doubled by going to fjbunity.org. Again, that's fjbunity.org. And, um, and to give as much as you can, uh, help support this network, uh, this radio effort and the fact that we're able to bridge the gap between Israel and the diaspora during some very sensitive times. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been focusing for the last three days, whenever we've been talking about Israel, I've been focusing on the hostages, uh, because it does seem that that TV and radio is all about the hostages and so many people, thank God, are visiting, the areas where the hostages gather and where they meet, uh, which is wonderful, and so many celebrities have been to those locations, and, and not just celebrities, regular people as well have been to those locations, and it's great to show support. And um, And it does seem that those are the two themes here, not that that should be a uh, a surprise. The hostages and the IDF, the incredible job that our amazing men and women of this incredible army is doing at this point. Armed forces, I should say, because it's all of them together. Just remarkable. Um, weekly update coming up. We'll talk more about all of this uh, here at JM and the AM. Stay tuned till 9 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, that's when we'll wrap things up. And then, of course, Mark Zamek at 10 o'clock with the Arab Shaba show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Tomorrow night at Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami. Avrami sits in for Matis on Sunday. J.M. Sunday at 7 a.m. on Sunday. Uh, Matis, excuse me, Mayor, <laughs> new grandpa, Mayor Fertig is going to sit in for me on Monday, and I thank him in advance. That'll happen Monday morning right here at J.M. in the A.M. Yeah.
0: I'm Bound together with a dream in our heart It was so clear who we were and who we were meant to be One (laughs) Me, he, me, All of us, the children of my shell. Who really cares if we don't quite talk? We're looking like we, we just, just need.
1: JM in the A, M. Friday morning era of Shabbos, as I listen to that theme, Bring Us Home, Uri Davidi's song about Yachad. I can't help but think of yesterday's uh, Aliyah pitch by Jonathan Pollard, one of the highlights of yesterday's conversation. If you missed my full length interview, it was about an hour and 20 minutes, I believe, with Jonathan Pollard here in Yerushalayim on Thursdays, JM in the A. And make sure to check out the archive, Nahumsegal.com, and of course, on the NSN app. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. It's a fast day. I hope it's going fast for you. Not going fast for me, where it's uh, almost 3 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. Baruch Hashem here in Jerusalem. Candle lighting at uh, 4.12 in New York. 4.12 is candle lighting time. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And the fast will end with Kiddush on this rare Friday fast day. A reminder from J.M., In the a.m. Our friends at JewishWorldReview.com are ready for you. Go to the website and print out before Shabbos thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world. It's a great resource to get a lot of information about things happening during these interesting times that we are in. Again, go to JewishWorldReview.com and enjoy. Don't forget our... uh, our year-end portion of our 40th anniversary campaign, because it's not ending at the end of the year, but there are people who are anxious to give before the end of the year. Uh, So that portion is going to be ending soon, next week. If you haven't given yet, make sure to support us by going to fjbunity.org. Again, fjbunity.org. Malcolm Honlein is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Friday's For the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honeline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, I apologize. Okay, we're having a slight technical problem. I apologize. We'll get back in just a moment here at JM in the AM.
4: We will bring us in Gedou, we will hide in jedem's mood, tanzen up, we should do him. We will bring us in Gedou, we will hide in jedem's mood, tanzen we jetzt up, we should do good. We will bring us in Gedou, we will hide in jedem's mood, tanzen up, we should do
1: Try this uh, one more time. If it doesn't work, then we'll go to plan C, whatever that might be. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. No, not happening. Okay. Uh, Hang on, Malcolm. We are going to go to plan C and see if we can make this work. And I appreciate your patience. More coming up at JM in the AM.
4: Und gimmeln sieben in den bringt es jedem smoot jetzt und die sieben
1: All right, JM in the AM, Friday morning. We're trying very, very hard to get Malcolm Honlein with us on the air here at JM in the AM in order to do our weekly update. We're going to give this one more shot. Mr. Honeline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's good to be with you uh, and and to uh, have
10: shared or exchanged rooms at the (laughs) Inval. So I miss it very much. And, And the Yerushalayim Shabbos, Shabbos. I was at the great synagogue, and we had a Shabbat for lone soldiers and for people who were displaced. And to see them come together in the shul with people of all kinds, the unity, the achdut, the intensity of feeling, the the singing along with the and people who have been through so much, it was just truly remarkable. And I hope everybody gets to experience it like you and
1: I did. I appreciate that very much. And one other thing I'd like to add, which I'm sure you'll you will enjoy comment, commenting about. I, I'm sure you, like I, continue to hear, especially when you are here, more and more stories of American Jewish children that are not only joining the Army and making an effort to do uh, to, to their part in this war, but they are doing so with incredible enthusiasm, amazing devotion, great bravery and courage. Uh, somewhere, the American Jewish community really did go right, Malcolm, because it is amazing to see that they are just as motivated as their Israeli colleagues.
10: It is truly remarkable, and the volunteerism across the board, people, even if they're not in the Army, but going and and working, picking fruit and doing all sorts of things that they would never have thought of doing here in America, Uh, uh, but especially when the lone soldiers, and you see kids of different backgrounds coming together Really serving out of the purest motivation possible, and you know putting uh, themselves at risk—it's—it's it's so inspirational. And the the nature of the commitment that they demonstrate is inspiring. And we had yeshiva kids there with them, and they danced together, sang together. No distinctions, no differences uh, could interfere with the with the kind of feeling. And you see it so many places when, when you go. I went to the bases to see how Saddam Marpa and other groups were there, many Hasidic groups, uh, serving meals every night, sometimes to a 1,000 soldiers at a base, or 500 sol- uh, airmen. It was truly incredible, and it goes on every single night, every single day. They even send Shabbat meals down there. There are people who volunteer to go to the bases and make a Shabbat for the
1: soldiers. It's truly amazing. A lot of positive byproducts of this terrible time. Uh, I don't think two months ago uh, that statement would have been believed, but there are, looking back now, a lot of positive developments from all of this. Obviously, the unity and the things you just described are so much a part of what I mean, and I think it. Uh, it's one of the things. Look, you come here, and you experience both sides. You experience the sadness, the anxiety, the stress, the shiva calls, the uh, the terrible, tragic news that continues to envelop israel and at the same time uh, you're seeing and experiencing what you and i have just described uh, which is honestly uh, one of the most amazing outgrowths of this terrible tragedy uh we'll get to the news of the day Uh, why do you think the most recent hostage deal fell apart
10: because hamas is not really ready to make a deal uh, a real deal there are still negotiations going on there are various proposals now they're talking about a two-week pause. Um, Israel obviously is anxious to get as many of the hostages back. Uh, we don't know how many are alive. We don't. They still don't know where they are. They have more ideas of of where they could be, um, and the pressure domestically is very great for it. And Israel has always paid a heavy price to get back its soldiers, its civilians, uh, e- even those who were not left alive. But in this case. We have many uh, who are certainly alive, and the, the uh, Hamas is going to exploit it. They're going to—look, they're the ones who carried out all these, these dastardly murders. You know, since October 7th uh, is more and more distant, people are forgetting the horrors, the, 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 the inhuman and barbaric acts, and one can only imagine what they are doing to some of the hostages that they are holding. So the pressure is very great for Israel to make some sort of a, a deal to get the hostages back. But Hamas is only going to do it to exploit it. They, they do it. They, their inhumanity knows no bounds. And people who blame the government of Israel are making a mistake. You know, Israel has many calculations that they have to take into account, including the ability of, of Hamas to regroup. And you know that they're using innovative methods Yesterday, people put out an announcement saying for the first day since October 7th, not excluding the the, uh, days of the ceasefire, there were no rockets. And within an hour, (laughs) there was the biggest barrage of rockets on Tel Aviv. But they found that they've equipped trucks, regular trucks, with launching, uh, um, as a launching site. And they can be mobile and drive around, and people, Israel can't take out every single truck that's driving around, and you have to stop them, inspect them to find it, and of course that comes at a heavy risk as well. And they fire, they, they keep their rockets, uh, because many people are asking the question, I'm sure they ask you, how is it possible? Yep. Only the tip of the rocket is yep. exposed. The rest of it is all underground. And they also can attack Israeli soldiers from these holes, you know, tunnels, and you see how many hundreds and hundreds of these shafts that they found. They just exp- themselves shoot at the Israeli soldiers and run back underground like the rats they are. But the missiles are also underground, and they can fire a barrage, and it's impossible for Israel to detect them.
1: And you've said this to us in past wars as well, that they, you know, we don't realize their mobility, we don't realize their creativity, and we don't realize their, their planning, they have a plan ahead to be as mobile as possible. And if an area is going to be attacked or leveled, as some areas have been by Israel, they're going to find other places to launch these rockets from. And I didn't realize until you just said it, that the majority of the rockets and the majority of the operation could be hidden as well as it can be. Uh, and it's funny because we were sitting in Jerusalem yesterday and someone commented to me right before the show yesterday, oh, it's been like 36 or 41 hours since there's been a rocket attack. And then a minute later, you know, you look at your phone and there's red alerts all over the country. Uh, but I guess that's their MO, of course, as you just described. Um, and, and and what about the, you know, we talk about where they've hidden rocket launchers and the buildings and the um, and the institutions that they've used as uh, you know, places to store artillery, etc. And then the, the the to the greatest level of I don't know what to call it. i don't know if they call it chutzpah or what. There are uh, there are Hamas members who imitate hostages. They they give the impression that they are surrendering. They give the impression that they either know Hebrew or are carrying signs or flags that have Hebrew slogans on them. And in fact, they are a uh, they're a trap. They're a trap for the Israeli soldiers. That's why this episode that occurred you know, the, the other day, and it's so tragic and obviously so horrible about the th- three hostages being killed, people have to realize, and I'm not here to defend anybody, and I know that obviously there's going to be you know, trials and investigations, but we have to understand what the, the Israeli soldiers are going through when they see somebody who they think on the surface is likely one of them, and they turn out to be somebody else.
10: I think you're absolutely right. People should not rush to judgment. You have to first be in the circumstance. You know you shouldn't judge uh, um, somebody at Shatgila Makoma. You have to be in their shoes and in their place to know what they're facing. And you saw the mother of one of the soldiers uh, who was killed by friendly fire wrote a letter inviting all of the his comrades to come to their house and say she doesn't hold them to account. She understands under the circumstances it was the right and necessary thing to do. I mean. The most amazing things, and, and heroism on the part of this mother, to comfort the soldiers who obviously carry a lot of guilt when, when they shoot one of their own, uh, not intentionally, uh, and in, in fighting in these close quarters is very difficult. You also have to realize that when they, they talk about the hospitals, which now the, the head of the hospital that was so controversial all of a sudden admits that he was a member of Hamas and that he used the hospital as a base, that uh, people who worked in the hospitals gave testimony. But those things get shunted aside and, and ignored. The fact that they're using mosques, and I've seen the pictures from inside mosques where they had these huge and elaborate setups of, uh, for rocket launchers and storing of weapons that they find it uh, in UNRWA bags and uh, uh, and United Nations facilities. It's an impossible situation for, for the soldiers because they never know where they're going to come from. And, and you know, as you said, the, for the soldiers that were killed in the, the tragic incident, they'd come out with signs, but that was a trap that they had used in the past. They, they would make the sound of children to make it sound like there were hostages, you know, inside some of the tunnels, which are booby-trapped. And, you know, each place they go into, they have to have an engineering corps because so many of the places... Have uh, are set up to trap them and then explode, and that's when you, you lost the nine members of Givati and others was because of of these booby
1: traps. Malcolm, you've seen the image of uh, one of the areas that Israel is completely cleared out; there are no buildings left, etc. You've seen that, I assume. I have seen it. What percentage of the northern part of Gaza is going to end up looking like that? What percentage of Gaza in general? will end up looking like that. I mean, I know it depends on the length of the war and and Israel's goals, and and neither of us has, you know, the complete inside military information, and I get that. But, I mean, is that going to be a majority of the northern region of Gaza? Is it going to be the majority of the entire strip itself?
10: Israel has tried to avoid that, and they have done precision bombing. You don't see that in the media. For instance, yesterday they took out uh, a facility which turned out to be a long underground arm storage and weapons. So the whole thing blew up and took down a number of buildings. These are areas that were evacuated. If people chose not to evacuate or the terrorists hide in there, and you saw that hundreds have, have given themselves up in different locations, That uh, that that is not Israel. Israel's responsibility is to act in a humane way. They are doing it in an extreme fashion. Being trying to avoid civilian casualties, often taking out one apartment in a building. but for that, you need the precision equipment. America should make sure that Israel has sufficient supplies and and make sure that they have the uh, doms and precision guide systems, et cetera, that they need and will need. And particularly if God forbid the North heats up and and the Israel has to hold back a significant part of its capabilities. To be prepared should the hezbollah which is very uh, possible uh, truly expand the war beyond the uh, number of incidents that, uh, that they have and they've increased the number of rockets some days uh, firing um, these anti-tank mortars which are very deadly as well as rockets and sending drones on an ongoing basis israel strikes back but both sides have kept a limit on it uh, uh, but israel has to be prepared to have the manpower and the resources to take on that front, which has 150,000 missiles and uh, well-trained and well-prepared terrorists with the underground uh, setup, just like in Gaza. I don't think people thought that there was 500 miles of underground tunnels in Gaza, as they have discovered, but we know it, that it exists in southern Lebanon under entire areas. And every civilian home has a rocket room where they... They can launch from, so Israel's, um, you know, has to make sure that we have to make sure that the equipment, the resources, hopefully, to get the aid bill through quickly, so that Israel can purchase the, the equipment that they need. Uh, but Israel has, has prosecuted this. They could have carpet bombed everything, but they created a humanitarian corridor, and Sintmar supposedly went from to, through and through through this corridor, dressed as a woman, to get to safety. Uh, in in the north and now uh, is probably hiding somewheres and trying to get out. You know, I understand that they can cross into Egypt by paying bribes and stuff to to get out. Um, We have to make sure that none of these guys escape and that they are all held to account eventually.
1: Does Israel ever get any of its emergency uh, equipment and um, rocket power or defense power from the United States without an aid bill, and if there's an emergency situation, does the United States have the capability to just send what Israel needs?
10: They sent 100 million dollars in in uh, armaments to to Israel by a um, emergency ruling, which does not need congressional approval. But when you're talking about the size of the bill, it's 14 billion dollars. Although I think Ukraine gets 60 billion and money for the South and money for Taiwan it has all been thrown into the pot. And they they do it because Israel, the vote on Israel would be overwhelming immediately. And if these could separate it out, it would pass in a heartbeat. The problem is that they that they're tying these other issues, which would not pass and would do not have strong support uh, and uh, would be questionable at least uh, to to Israel so that it would carry the the uh, entire package. The, so the United States can send, on an emergency basis, limited amounts of stuff. Um, but as you see, they've held up the sale of rifles because of, uh, of supposedly settler violence or whatever excuse was used. Uh, that They're afraid it could be transferred to them. There was also some equipment that was held up, uh, armored cars, because they don't want them used in Shomron. In, uh, in uh, this is not that the arms that they get are being used in the right way and for the right purpose there are, is a need for to arm more people in areas especially along borders and stuff so that you don't have a situation like October 7, uh, uh, October 7th when many of the people there were very few guns in fact in the communities living there on the Gaza um, border and in the entire Gaza envelope there, there were very few weapons that were that people had that they could use to protect themselves.
1: I, um, I heard this this week. I don't know how much of it is true. Uh, tell me if you heard any of it. There's more activity in terms of people going back to the southern areas uh, than those moving back to the northern areas. In other words, there is some movement um, back to certain communities, those obviously that were not as close to the Gaza Strip. Um, and, and up north, the, the Israel authorities are not allowing anybody to go within a certain range uh, back to their homes at this time until Hezbollah has pushed back a certain number of miles. Are you hearing that, that there's really more of a refugee situation? Not that there isn't both. Obviously, there's both. But more of a refugee situation now from the north and from the south?
10: I'm not sure that many people are, are moving back to the south. People have gone there to visit people. Farmers go to, to you know, still pick up the whatever uh, they can still salvage from the, from the fields. Uh, there's shortage of manpower, there's shortage of uh, workers to, to help. Um, people want to go back. I met people who told me that they were anxious to go back. It's still, those closest to the Gaza uh, border will certainly not be allowed in, and you have soldiers operating there. You have a rocket still falling. In the north, the, the problem is still um, more of a potential one, and yesterday alone, uh, I spoke to people in the north, and they told me a, a list of places, at least seven or eight places that were targeted yesterday with the anti-tank missiles and with um, missiles or drones. So it's it's a live situation, and to protect the people is far more difficult, although the disruption of life of tens of thousands of people along the northern border, met, some did not leave or didn't want to leave, some are uh, forcibly evacuated because was the danger, both of a of a cross-border raid and because of the incoming missiles, should the Hezbollah decide or get the order from Iran to escalate, so it's it's uh, the, the government it, it, at great cost has to relocate these people. They have to put them up. Yeah, I think two hundred thousand people altogether who have been uh, who have been displaced or, reloc- or have re- relocated, some with families, but mostly in hotels, in apartments, in houses. Uh, people have given their apartments for it to, to uh, families who were dislocated. And it'll be a while before they will be able to go back in the south. Maybe the more distant communities can start being repopulated,
1: but they, too, come under regular barrages of, of missile fire. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, what's the uh, What's the attitude of Washington now toward Israel? And I say that because here... Uh, The assumption is that the Israeli authorities, Prime Minister on down, are being pressured by the United States to let up uh, in what's happening now um, with the Gaza offensive. Uh, Is that accurate or not?
10: So there is obviously pressure, and the pressure can come in many forms. Um, but generally, there's been support, certainly at the United Nations. The only reason we don't have this very, very harsh Security Council one sided condemnation is because the United States has said it will veto, and now you're going to end up with a resolution that deals primarily with increasing aid to things but not calling for a ceasefire. Uh, so the United States um, has been sending a series of people. They've been showing support. When Austin was there, he would not, the Secretary of Defense would not say, that they should, uh, the demanding a ceasefire, and, the, and um, the president, others have repeatedly said that, you know, it's up to Israel. But at the same time, you know, there's domestic political pressures. Everybody has their own circumstances that, that they deal with. Uh, there is sometimes, you know, breakdown in trust or or whatever, but the communications, uh, Jake Sullivan was there. I think he had a good visit, and the um, the fact that Israel's been able to carry this out as long as it has... The the uh, fact is that it will come to a new stage in the in the coming period. Um, remember that there is still strong support in Congress, overwhelming support for Israel and for aid to Israel. And we've had some su- some surprises, like Senator Fetterman in Pennsylvania becoming a very strong advocate, uh, and the usual voices of the squid types, uh, you know, who, who come out with their criticisms. The overwhelmingly, when you have a vote in the house and you get ninety plus percent of the vote, and certainly in the Senate, there's very strong support. Um, that uh, that is a factor. And the American people, by and large, despite the polls, which show young people are are opposed. The people forty and over still understand and and, and get what Hamas is about. They know the price that, that Israel's paid. The young people or protesting, have no clue what they're protesting about. And every study, every time they were interviewed and asked what river, what sea, and, and where is Palestine, they have no idea. Mm. It's become a costa labra, and, and, you know, this is against America, this is against Western values, It's and Israel becomes the easy target for these mobilizations. It also tells us of some of the realities that have been created on the ground with illegal immigration, with all sorts of other things that, that uh, there are shifts taking place. Uh, it's, it's their right to demonstrate. I don't know why they're allowed to block streets and, and create hazardous conditions. I saw it myself when they busted out the windows of a police car and wrote Free Gaza on it in Midtown Manhattan, and, and nothing, uh, no, nobody was arrested at that time. Uh, I understand that they sometimes arrest them later, and then I, and I think the police operate under restrictions. So it's it's a very complicated situation. It's nationwide. We see New York, and New York obviously gets the most media attention, but it's across the country. So there are a lot of political dynamics going into an election year. Uh, we have to hold strong. And that means that people have to write to their Congress people they are coming, they're home now for the holiday vacation and to, through New Year's. People should reach out to them, tell them to hold strong, to, to, to meet with them if they can. And make the case, but make sure you inform yourself about what is really happening on the ground. Look what the Houthis are doing. Also, an Iranian proxy tied to the war with with in Hamas and Hezbollah, and the fact it can block and 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 interfere with international shipping in a place that I have mentioned on the show many times, Baba al Mandab. And I know you know it gets very technical to people, but this was an obvious thing that could happen. You're talking about the world's one of the world's poorest countries. Uh, uh, Iraq, a ragtag group that should be taken out. The Saudis have been fighting them. They've been they launched missiles against Saudi Arabia. Now there was this uh, essentially uh, a truce between them, but uh, but it meant that they were given greater freedom to operate. They're shooting dozens of missiles, taken out by French, American, Israeli, British ships. Um, the mostly American uh, destroyer took down I think twelve in one day. They shoot uh, not only missiles up the Red Sea that could hit Alon, but also drones. But they fired and landed missiles near the USS Kearney, American military ships, and certainly the the uh, cargo ships and the oil tankers in particular that they 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 still hold one of them, which they boarded by helicopter. That should not be tolerated. The international community must stop it. Fifteen percent of the world's trade goes through that little straits there. And it means, again, for those who remember, 1967 was caused by the closing of the Straits of Tehran. They want to close off all shipping to Israel from uh, from the Red Sea, the Suez Canal, and the, the, the um, uh, from and, and shipping, which the alternative route going around Africa takes two weeks more costs many tens of millions of dollars in fuel and in cost to the... To, and I understand that that um, the, the uh, containers now have gone up tenfold in costs because of the additional distance and because of the insurance rates have, have uh, multiplied many times and many companies have announced that they're not shipping there. People may think this is a distant thing, but when you pay the price at the supermarket or in other places because of it, you'll begin to feel what, what this really means.
1: Wow. And the world tolerates it. The world just sits by and tolerates it. By the way, I'm the, I just want to go back for a second to the hostage deal. Remember the last hostage, or the, I don't know if it was the first or the last, but one of the hostage deals took place right around Thanksgiving time, and because there were American hostages or, or those hostages of American you know, citizenship involved, that was the president's theme when he announced the deal, that you know, Thanksgiving, they'll be home, etc., I mean, not to focus again, I know we addressed it already, but isn't this the time of year? Like, don't you think that because there's a major holiday, a a, a major a family holiday, not in our tradition, but in other traditions coming up on Monday, that this would be a, a time where you'd see movement toward a deal, and instead all we saw was cancellation of the deal this week?
10: We have not seen world or religious leaders speaking up. We haven't seen women's groups standing up for the for the horrific treatment of women. Um, they're very quick to criticize Israel, usually on false grounds, uh, but uh, but we don't hear them. Uh, you know, they make the, the calls that the hostages, but it's always an even-handed call, as if both sides are equally responsible. And that there are children still missing, hopefully alive, and, and babies and others, women, uh, that there isn't the kind of, of outcry and, and constant uh, demonstrations the pressure is on the government of israel to give in to to bring them home at any cost uh, you know and you and the government has to weigh what does any cost mean does it mean freeing hundreds of terrorists again mm. does it and people who will come back be recidivists, including those who are masterminding this war many of them were released in the Gilad shalit deal and, and other exchanges so it, it's easy for people to sit and be armchair generals and everybody and i shape the sentiments and the commitment but people come up to me with with you know these ideas why don't they do this why don't you do that and to think that, that they can think of things in the government of Israel and the, all of the military people involved there three former chiefs of staff in the war cabinet they've seen everything and you know we have to be more modest in thinking that we know better from here than they know from there of what's really feasible and how they can do it.
1: And finally, I want to you know I want to ask you about uh, movement on the political scene here in Israel. But you always say, rightfully so, that there's a war being fought, and we won't you know see much movement of uh, you know those trying to uh, establish positions. Uh, for a future election, you know, probably for a while, and I get that. But I'm wondering, yeah. is, is it happening even without us noticing? Are, are there people now trying to take advantage, I'm not even saying that in a negative way, by the way, but trying to take advantage of the current situation and, and thinking about how they can get a, uh, you know a, a, ro- a road to the top, so to speak, in the Israeli political scene, or is really none of it happening now at all?
10: So during my time in Israel the last few days, I met the prime minister, I met others, uh, but even leaders of other parties. The answer is yes, people are not only thinking, but they're moving ahead. Um, Most people say, and I believe you should wait, you know, that the time for all of the recriminations and everything will come. There will be investigations, there will be a lot of people who will be held to account. There is a lot of anti BB sentiment. There's because, I mean, he is head of government and the responsibility always rests with whoever's in charge, but also the, um, you know, there, but there's no uh, yet person that they can all rally around. There are scenarios where you could have coalitions when we see the shifting numbers that Gantz gets up to 37 in some polls or. And together with Lapid or in the Bennett runs or uh, Yair Golan mobilizing to the left would get 11 seats now or 10 seats. It's a very shifting situation. The answer is yes that people, political people, are are going to take advantage of the mood in the country, the demonstrations, the you know the lingering um, uh, problems from before the war have not disappeared. I, I really resent it when people, um, uh, you know, will will take advantage of the moment and um, talk about now how there will be a civil war. Civil war, this is a time of unity. We've seen amazing unity. There's not a time to talk of a civil war. What we should do is talk about how you get together, how you create and maintain the Ahdut that we see now across the board between communities that didn't talk to each other and, and who were always critical that the the issues will have to be addressed, both those related to the war and to the general situation, the economic conditions, the demands on Israel are going to be horrific. It's cost them more than $50 billion. already ready for the war. It's half the GDP. And it's not ending. Uh, Israel came into the war in a good economic position. And thank God, it's. if you see, the shekel got stronger um, and it's the, uh, by more than 10% in the last couple of weeks uh, versus the dollar. So you got to uh, look at the uh, overall situation and... Uh, I do think that people should be very careful about uh, putting an overlay of politics, which is always there in Israel, and put the focus right now on protecting our soldiers, protecting the people of Israel, getting the hostages back, and, and finishing Hamas. There is nobody in the Middle East, and I'm talking about Arab leaders across the board, who do not want Israel to finish this job, including Europeans and everybody, because everybody will pay the price. Saudi so Arabia will, the UAE will, Egypt will, all of them, even Morocco, all of them will pay a price, and they know it, yeah. if Hamas is able to come out of this intact.
1: Then they should be more vocal and more supportive in general of Israel, but I guess that's you know impossible to expect, right? <laughs> well,
10: it's not impossible to expect, but I, it's some of them... Will say you know that they they have been mildly critical. They they haven't taken action
1: right. against Israel. Right, that's but true. For for this, many for it, many of them, this is being a supportive. You're right. And, and remember, look at look at the Red Sea. The United States trying to put
10: together an naval coalition. You don't see Saudi Arabia there. You don't see UAE there. Only Bahrain of the countries is joined. Uh, it's you know they they've under various pressures and and concerns. Even though they are the direct. Um, targets as well for the Houthis and for the Iranian uh, designs. Uh, and Iran, you know, nobody pays attention to the internal disruptions in Iran. The fact that you have the demonstrations, you have many things going on, including executions. And and Iran right now just seems to sail along. And, and yeah. so it is responsible for the Hamas war. It's responsible for Hezbollah. It's responsible for the Houthis and the Iraqi uh, militia and Syrian militias. And the West gives them a buy. Yep. It's not. They've got to increase the sanctions. We've got to continue to put the pressure. If you take care of Iran, you will take care of all these other problems.
1: Thank you for your time. I apologize for the tinge of lethargy. It's the very, very rare time that I am doing JM in the AM at the end of a fast day. So <laughs> thank you for your <laughs> thank you for your patience, and have a wonderful Shabbos.
10: Enjoy your dinner, you will, I'm sure, and give my regards to everyone at the wonderful Imbal Hotel, where I stay as well, and have a great Shabbos, and and God willing, a peaceful Shabbos.
1: Yeah, amen to that. As we said earlier, a peaceful Shabbos for not only us, but for Jews around the world, as we all now realize that uh, everywhere... Jews are in the sensitive situations. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Udin, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Udin. Good morning, Nachum.
11: Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. And, whoa, today is a very different Erev Shabbos. Today is a Sura B'teves and... Today is one of the four fast days that commemorate the different Avelus, the different morning, and the different commemoration of the two Bate Mikdashos, different aspects of each of the Beis on Mikdash, as we will talk about in a moment. The Parsha, tomorrow we have the privilege of reading. Parsha Vayigash. Parsha Vayigash is probably the most emotional Parsha in the Torah whereby you have, after 22 years, Yosef uh, reveals himself to his brothers, Yosef, Yaakov comes down to Mitzrayim and the, once again, the meeting of father and son after that same period of time and and uh, So, let's start with uh, Sarabhateves, and then we will, please God, uh, see some of the aspects of the day in uh, Parshas Vayigash, because as we have been noting, the Parshios that we've been reading, and especially even today, the idea with unfortunately the war in Gaza, we find that uh, the Torah of Torah Chayim, which was given 35 plus hundred years ago, is so relevant to literally today. So the Navi Zoharia, in chapter eight, pasuk nineteen, has a nevuah whereby he speaks and says that the four fast days, Som the fast of the fourth month, which is Shavasar Of because Nisan is regarded as the first month. So going from Nisan, Som the fast of the fourth month, which is Shavasar, Som which is Tisha B'Av, Som HaShvi, which is Som Gedalia, and Somo Asiri, which is Asura TVs the Navi promises that these four fast days are going to be a future holiday. Instead of being fast days, they're going to be happy days on our calendar. So the interesting point to note is that what the Navi is giving us is the month as to when there is a fast and not the specific date. So, this is what we find in the Navi uh, Zacharya, and therefore we can understand that when Shavasabatamas falls out on a Shabbos, we don't fast on that day on Shabbos, but rather we push it off till the next day. This is how the Minchas Chinuch explains why we don't fast on Shabbos. And, because after all, it's almost like, on the one hand, the rabbis tell us that we have to eat three meals on Shabbos, and on the other hand, the rabbis tell us that we are to fast on these fast days. So why would we prefer one rabbinic law over the other? Why do we take the rabbinic law of eating three meals? Why does that take priority over the rabbinic law of fasting? And the answer is because we can fast on the next day, which is what we do, so when Tisha B'Av, as we know, falls out on a Shabbos, so we fast on the next day, on Sunday. So therefore, The same would be true if today's fast, which is the fast of Asar Now what happened today? We're focusing today on the end of the first Besamigdash. The Besamigdash was destroyed first and second on Tish Abaav. Regarding the first Besamigdash, the Babylonians put a siege around Yerushalayim approximately two-and-a-half years before the destruction of the first Besam Mikdash and this is the beginning of the end of the first Pesam Mikdash and therefore we fast on this day. So, in keeping with what we said a moment ago Tzom Asiri, in theory today, meaning the fast of Asar Bateves. If this were to fall on a Shabbos we would not fast, we would push it off to Sunday in keeping with the others. The exciting aspect of today is the Avudraham, who was a Rishon one of the early uh, commentators and uh, co- uh, teachers within our uh, history Abu Jaham, who has a parish on the Siddur, the Abu writes that if Asura B'teves were to fall on a Shabbos, and our calendar has quote, been rigged, then it could not. But if it would be, if it would fall on a Shabbos, we would fast on Shabbos. Now this has raised a great deal of eyebrows among many different commentaries who perhaps even disagree, but the Abu Jaham is worthy of great respectability and the question we'd have to ask is why? Manishtana, what's different about Saurabh than all the other fasts which we don't fast as we mentioned earlier on Shabbos? Why would the uh, Teves be different? What's special about today? So the Hassam Sofer, in his commentary on the Slichos, which we said this morning, on, uh, and those who have not yetdamin are about to say momentarily, the slihos that is said on. Asarbaavess, his commentary on it, explains why Asarbaaves might be different. And he gives the following uh, explanation. He says that every year on Asar B'teves HaKadosh Baruch Hu calls together his heavenly court and it's a Yom Adin, it's a day of judgment, it's a day of deciding will the Beis HaMikdash be rebuilt this year. That's how important today Asar B'teves is. As a result of that the commentaries say something very, very sharp, and that is as follows We know that we don't fast on Shabbos. If somebody has a yard site, so, and their practice is to fast on the yard site, then they don't fast on Shabbos, they fast on Sunday. So the question basically is once again, why is Asar B'Tevi's different? So we we give the following explanation. There is one day found in Shulchan Aruch. Under what circumstance can one fast on Shabbos if one has a bad dream on Friday night? And like I tell my students, we're not talking that you got an A- minus as opposed to an A. No, we're talking about a tragic dream that one has seen, that they wake up and it disturbs them. So for them, their fasting on Shabbos is an oneg Shabbos, that's their pleasure. They'll get more, uh, if I can use the term, solace by fasting on Shabbos than by eating on Shabbos. And interestingly, the Shulchanach writes that if a person did fast on Shabbos for a Tanis Halom, they have to make it up by a day during the week for what they have done. But the bottom line is what's the explanation? That there are two kinds of Avelus, two types of mourning. Is the mourning of an Aveilus Yeshana, an old uh, remembrance, an old occurrence, such as a yard site. So that is pushed off, as opposed to a Avelus Chadosha, a new, quote, crisis, circumstance, and a new one we don't push off, as the Tanis Chalom. Therefore, the judgment of Yom Adin on a Beteves, will the Beis be rebuilt this year, is not a old commemoration only of a siege which took place many, many years ago, but rather it's a recognition of today, and today is the day when that decision is being made. Needless to say, additional to Hildim, that can be said today, for the day, and certainly for the crisis that we're in in Eretz Yisrael, would be most appropriate, and therefore, the uh, day, and the fast day of Asura is special. Let's take a quick peek at Parshas Vayigash. As we mentioned, this is the day that, or the Parsha rather, that the family is reunified. Okay, now. There are certain chazal that are more popular and known by many. So Yosef, after he reveals, tells his brothers to go back to Canaan, tell Abba that he is still alive, bring Abba and the family down, he will support them, and we know this is the beginning of the Egyptian servitude, this is the beginning of the implementation of the nev- nevuah, the prophecy that Hashem gave Avram Avinu at the bris Bein Absorim in Chapter 15 in Bereshesh that uh, the Jewish people will be 400 years in a land which is not theirs, they'll be uh, avodim they'll be kairim, strangers, avodim, slaves son they'll be persecuted, and then they will leave with great riches, etc. It's starting now. Initially, in chapter 45, when Yaakov hears the report that Joseph is still alive, the Torah tells us, by your fault, inlohem. In verse 26, the Torah tells us that literally his heart skipped a beat and he didn't believe them. They then tell him, in 47, what Yosef said, and he saw the wagons that Yosef sent his father, and the Torah then tells us, that come on. He uh, saw the wagons that Yosef had sent, and then Yaakov's spirit became alive, was restored to him. He was all excited. Now, this is one of the famous Rashis on the puzzle. He saw and was took first of all, he saw the wagons. So the question is, what's going on here? Why were the wagons? It wasn't a uh, -a rent-a-wagon from Enterprise. This was a uh, Rolls Royce wagon which had the official insignia. Ah! This is uh, something special. I'll go in this. I will What's going on here? So Rashi tells us, Simon Masalahem, he gave over a sign to the brothers to give to Abba. But Mary, what were we learning about 22 years ago when I left my father, the parsha of Egla Arufa? Okay, and therefore, when he sees the wagons that Yosef sent, Okay, and not the wagons as a Sholach Paro, because even though Paro signed on to taking these very special wagons, this is he sees the wagons that Yosef sent. What's going on here? And after all, Egla Rufra is a young calf, and this is Agolos the Wagons. So there's an Ayam Gimel Ramad, an Egla and an Ayam Gimel Ramad in wagons, what does one have to do with the other? So I heard a very nice pshat, and that is as follows, that Egla Arufah is, when God forbid a Jew is murder, and we don't know who the killer was, so the Torah tells us that members of the Sanhedrin come to this little hick town someplace in Eretz Yisrael, and they measure to the city, and the city has to bring an unusual kind of quote-unquote korban, not a literal karban at all but a a ceremony of expiation, looking for kapara, that we did not quote, kill this person would anybody think that the leaders, the zikne the leaders of of the community actually killed the person so the answer is certainly not however, it means that we did not sufficiently provide the person with Shmira with protection, giving him food on the way, walking him out so people will see that he's important, that he's not somebody that can just be attacked, etc. So the concept behind the rufa is that we are taking responsibility. We will improve our environment, that this doesn't happen again. So the concept of the rufa is just that. Akhrayas, responsibility, similarly what's happening in Parshas, Vayigash when Yosef sends the Agolos, he's basically communicating to his Abba that I have become a man of responsibility. I'm responsible for all of Egypt in terms of their uh, welfare. I will be responsible for you and the family, so that you'll be able to not only live through the famine, but that you'll be in Goshen, you'll be in an environment where you'll be able to uh, maintain your Jewish life where you won't assimilate uh, to the Egyptian culture. Oh, this is how we can perhaps see that strong uh, relationship. If we have and other examples as well of responsibility, such as the Torah tells us that when they are reunited, the Torah says that by al-savrei binyamin that Yosef falls on the necks of his brother, uh, binyamin. And binyamin falls on his neck. And after all, we only have one neck. Why the two? And the rabbis tell us on the psukim, in Shirashirim that the net refers to the on Nikdash and therefore certainly they cried for the emotional moment of seeing a lost brother after 22 years. But in addition, once again they looked into the future and they saw that unfortunately because of sinas khina, because of the hatred of one brother to another, because of the hatred uh, in the family, this caused that down the road there's going to be the destruction of the two bate Migtosh. And therefore there is that connection which once again Rashi brings. And I therefore want to say that a strong takeaway of this parsha today is that we need so much more and we are seeing this thank god in Eretz Israel. see how many people are running to Eretz Israel to help to help from here and all over the world financially and to go to Eretz Israel to be there to take the place of people who are in the army and do the jobs for them uh, think about it that the war in Ukraine has been going on for quote how much time how many Former people from the Ukraine are running to Ukraine to help out the Ukrainian people and economy, etc. am and it's worth looking into just to see that Lower Leno on that day of infamy, October seventh. Listen carefully. Kibbutz or haneer, which was which was not attacked by the. Hamas Yemach Shemam came instead of running and saving all of them who were saved, they ran to kibbutz Erez, a kibbutz nearby. And Baruch Hashem saved many lives in the neighboring kibbutz. The Jew takes responsibility. Call Israel, Arabim Zeluzah, for Israel is responsible one for another, and the Rebbe, Rebbe Naftali, says, What's Pshat of Kol Yisrael? A raven, one Jew, sweetens one another. And may we be continue to do just that, and hear Pesuros, Tobos, Yeshuos, Menechamos, quickly and speedily in our day. Shabbat Shalom. Too cool.
12: Gesang, Gesang, Gesang. I got Хами маленуни гафим Behold, my assayed. The other sonnet, we are mm
1: Jam in the AM with Avrami Roth. Wow, what a piece. Yeah. Prayer for the uh, soldiers of the Israel Defense Forces. Wow. Pretty amazing. Jam in the AM. Good morning, everybody. Let's see. Here it's almost the end of the fast. It is a fast day. It'll end with Kiddush no matter where you are. Candle lighting in New York, 412. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, in New York, it's 412. We're minutes away from starting Shabbos here in Jerusalem. If you haven't given yet to our uh, year-end campaign, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. I should say the year-end portion of our 40th anniversary campaign. That would be more accurate. Again, it's um, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And, um, and I thank... All of our precious donors, much appreciated. How about some Yerushalayim selections? This comes from uh, Maishi Menlewitz Yerushalayim Yearnings. On a Friday morning Erev Shabbos from Yerushalayim at JM in the AM. <music> J.M. and the A.M. with you, Yerushalayim Yearnings. Felt those nostalgic tunes would be meaningful as we wrap things up on a Sarebateveh morning. It is a fast day after all, a Sarebateveh morning here at J.M. and the A.M. as we continue and conclude our J.M. in the A.M. broadcast minutes before Shabbos here in the holy city of Jerusalem. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Don't forget, if you haven't made your donation yet to uh, FJB, it's FJBunity.org. Again, that's FJBunity.org. Time to say Good Shabbos from Jerusalem with Journeys in J.M.N.A.M. Shalom, brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world the web and, and then alchemsegel.net. We're of course, on the beloved NSN app. And that'll wrap up an amazing week, mostly from the holy city of Jerusalem here at JMM. Thanks so much, everybody, for your comments and your um, feedback and reaction. Much appreciated. Uh, wishing everybody a wonderful Shabbos and a wonderful end of the fast <laughs> from Jerusalem and um, Mark Zamek with the Arab Shabbos show coming up at 10 a.m. Eastern time brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem Arab Shabbos music mix brought by Kedem tomorrow night, Saturday night, Segal with Avrami Avrami hosts J.M. Sunday in Informatis this coming Sunday at 7 a.m. Eastern time and Mayor Ferdig, the brand new grandpa Monday morning 6 a.m. he'll be hosting J.M. AM. Thank you, Mayor we'll speak to you Tuesday from Jerusalem have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Again, an easy fest. Till next time, Nachum Segel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.